I love that song. You may be seated. I love that song. I love to know that I am who he says I am, not who I feel like I am, not like I'm just a mom. Oh, well, that's not just. It's an awesome, awesome thing. It's so good to have everyone here. It's so good to be here. Uh, happy birthday, Tom Rankin. I just heard that. It was just like floating through the air. It's Tom Rankin's birthday. Is it really? No. <laughs> oh, well, happy birthday, early or late, wherever it is. Oh, boy. Okay. So, I'm so glad we're family. I'm so glad we're family. Okay. So, my first question is to you is, where are you in the Word? Where are you in the Word? That is our theme this year for our Bible reading. And... Uh, if you're following our Bible plan, which kind of looks like this, or if you have an app, we just finished reading the book of Daniel. And wow, that was quite a, uh, it's quite a book. And I'm going to say more about it in just a minute. But I have a couple of things that I want to make you aware of. One is each Sunday, we have a discipleship class taught by our own Mike. Micah Hanks. Wave your hand, Micah Hanks. You'll see more of him in just a minute. He, it is called Foundations. He goes over what we have read. Uh, so maybe this Sunday he would talk about Daniel in class. And, uh, and then it's, it's linking the stories of the Bible together so you can see the big picture of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And so that's what you would have each Sunday in Micah's class. It starts at 930. Don't be late. You don't want to miss anything he has to say. Now, I was raised over at Fisk on, uh, in a, on a farm. And I remember one summer, we must have been like this summer, there was no rain and the dust roads that was behind our house, there was dust this big. And as a little girl, I loved walking in that dust and following my dad. I would stop and I would make dust clouds everywhere. Has anybody ever done that? Nobody? I'm the only one that loved walking on dusty roads. I would make the biggest dust cloud. I'm sure my dad did not appreciate that. Well, what I'm, I'm saying this to you because on August the 24th, we are going to begin reading uh, the New Testament. So maybe you didn't start in January with us with a Bible app, or maybe somehow you fell, I mean, you just quit for whatever reason. Well, on August the 24th would be a great time to get back on and start reading the New Testament with us together. And I'm saying that because it's kind of like following my dad. I liked being near him. And I love reading the Gospels and following Jesus on those old dirty roads that he walked on. I love seeing the compassion in his eyes for his sheep. I love hearing his voice as he tells the stories and the parables. And I also, I love his love that he had for the Father's will, that he would be obedient to the Father. 
and tasting the water of life. I really love uh, walking through there with him and smelling the fragrance of grace and truth that is found in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 16, 17 is our verse for this year. And it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Is that not beautiful? We need the word of Christ to dwell in us richly that we might live rich lives, that we might be able to sing the right songs, that we can get through this world with, with the Lord. Also, I want, that's the two things. So, and I have more of these in the back, and I can tell you where to get on the app also. But be uh, on the lookout for more things that are coming up about um, the Bible reading. At this time, I'd like my two assistants to come. So the book of Daniel is like um, time travel, really. I think Daniel had time travel before anyone else did, if you read it. It is a fantastic book to read. There is praise. There is praise in it. We hear praise from the ancient king, King Nebuchadnezzar, who worshiped the Most High. We see praise from the King Belshazzar. No, not him at all. He died. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, it was uh, from Darius. And this is a verse that our girls learned upstairs, or all of our children did on Wednesday night. And I brought my assistants, and they're going to, Miss Brooklyn is going to quote it for you. And we use King James Version. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders. Daniel 6, 27. In the heavens and on earth, he did that. Thank you, girls. They're so precious. Okay. Um, So there's prayers, there's uh, worship, there's dreams, there's visions, there's prayers for deliverance, there's trembling, there's rises and fall uh, of kingdoms, and there's uh, kingdoms that fall. And there's one place where there's a goat after a ram, which is a crazy story too. So you can see, I enjoyed the book so much. But I can tell you, I don't understand everything about it. It's, it's really a lot. But this is what I know. That in chapter 1, it says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not be defiled by the king's food. But there's more to it than just that food. He purposed that. And because Daniel purposed that in his heart in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 3, 2, 3, everything else lined up as it should in Daniel's life. You get it? Because he purposed it there and made a difference in everything else in his life. It's so important for us to purpose what we need in our heart about God. Um, and because of that, let me say... Um, I don't want to miss anything. 
because of that, I want to just tell you that in the last chapter of Daniel, the last few words of Daniel, the angel tells Daniel to um, go his way. He had done prayed. Daniel had been in captivity for 70 years, and he was like between 80, 90, 100 years old. There's all kinds of different numbers. He said, go your way, Daniel. For the words are closed up and sealed until the end of time. And then in verse 13, he says, he tells Daniel again, go, go your way to the end. For you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of days. So because he had purpose in his heart and the lining of everything else up in Daniel's life, God said, I am going to resurrect you again. There is a message of hope, and not only just hope, but also of inheritance. I love that. So, Daniel chapter 9, I'm just going to just give you a real quick thing here, and then we're going to get started. Micah is going to come, and he's going to speak for a few minutes and lead us in prayer over uh, the happenings before Daniel chapter 9. Faith Walters will come and read uh, Daniel chapter 9 for us. And then Ben Miller will come and he will close out this time of uh, Daniel chapter 9. Okay, it begins, chapter 9 begins with Daniel reading the prophet Jeremiah. He was reading the word of God and he could understand by reading Jeremiah, things were about to change. It had been 70 years. Jeremiah 25 and 12 told Daniel that the time of captivity was about over. And you would thought that would make Daniel happy, but instead it brought great concern upon him because he knew what caused the children of Israel to go into captivity. There was still some of those remnants and those things in their lives. He recognized the issue, and it led him to a prayer of confession. And confession reveals the condition of our heart. It, can, it reveals that our heart is being softened. It also, it was a prayer confession that would lead to the mercy of God.
Well, I'm going to have to talk really quick tonight because I've got a lot to say in a very short amount of time. So let's actually jump right into Daniel. Understand what's going on. The Jewish nation is in captivity in Babylon, which was simply the fulfillment of what Jeremiah had spent his entire life trying to get the nation to realize. He kept going in and saying, we have departed from the will of God. We have come to accept sin and bring it into our life and basically live in the same house with it. He even went to the point, he told them, guys, we've got people in this nation, the Jewish nation, that are participating in child sacrifice to the Canaanite god Molech, something that they were warned about all the way back in Leviticus. But yet here they are continually participating in that. But guess what? They didn't want to listen. Not only did the normal person want to listen, the religious didn't want to listen. Pasher, the priest, actually took Jeremiah, beat him, and put him in stocks. This is the religious establishment was doing this to him. They didn't want to hear the message. You might scare away my big tithers if you do that. Don't tell them the truth. Don't tell them that we're so lost in sin that if we don't get straight, God's going to shake us and wake us up and put us into captivity. So here they are. They're in captivity, the exact place that they were warned about. So we pick up the story actually in Daniel chapter 4 because I want to show you God's presence in the midst of captivity. So Daniel, he, he, the, it happens that King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He searches out for someone to explain the dream to him. He goes to all of his mediums and all of the, the soothsayers and everybody that he can get. And Daniel comes on the scene says, yeah, I'll explain your dream to you. You got me back there, Steve? Here we go. So we're in Daniel chapter 4, and I cannot see it on the tablet. So let me actually read from behind me. It's easier for me. This is how I teach. This is the interpretation, your majesty, talking to King Nebuchadnezzar. And this is the sentence of the Most High. Who's the Most High? God. God is talking to you, Nebuchadnezzar, that has been passed down against my Lord, the king. You, you, the king, will be driven away from your people to live with the wild animals. You will feed on grass like cattle and be drenched with dew from the sky from, for seven periods of time. Until what? Until you, King Nebuchadnezzar, acknowledge that who? The Most High. That God, that God is ruler over the kingdom of men. And he, who God gives it, what is it? It's rulership, authority, power, position. He, he gives it to whoever God wants to give it to. You might be in captivity, but God has chosen who your captor is. You understand that tonight? That's what that dream is telling him. Continue on to the next, next slide there. This is what happens at the end of 12 months. So we're now a year later. As he was walking, as King Nebuchadnezzar was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon, the king exclaims, is not Babylon the great that I, that King Nebuchadnezzar, have built by my, by King Nebuchadnezzar's vast power to be a royal residence and display my majestic glory? Someone's getting a big head here. Nebuchadnezzar is all about Nebuchadnezzar. I did all of this. I did all of this. But wait, what happens? While the words were still in the king's mouth, somebody's about to get interrupted. Somebody's about to step in and say, oh, son, it's not you. It's not about you. You don't have this authority because of what you did. 
God steps in and he says, a voice came from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared that the kingdom has departed from you. You will be driven away from the people to live with the wild animals. You will feed on grass like cattle for a period, a period of seven periods of time. Until what? Until again, you acknowledge that God is ruler over the kingdom of men and that he gives it to anyone he wants. Folks, we might not like the way this nation is ran, but guess what? We didn't pick him. God put that person in power, and we think, no, I get to vote. Yeah, you get to vote, but a lot of us doubt the election results, don't we? We think, how did that happen? What happens is this story continues. This is just one example of God being in control when you think he's abandoned you. When you think that you're in captivity, that he has departed from you, he's still saying, I'm in control. So now we actually look at Daniel chapter 5, and we tell that story of Belshazzar. Now, Belshazzar was King Nebuchadnezzar's successor. And he comes on and says, you know what? I want to have a big party. I'm going to invite a thousand of my buddies and my nobles. We're going to get together with their wives and their concubines, and we're going to have a big party. Well, after, that, after Belshazzar had been tipping the bottle a little bit, he said, you know what? Go get me those gold and silver vessels that Nebuchadnezzar pulled out of Jerusalem, out of the temple of God, and bring it here. Let's drink out of them. I'm tired of these solo cups. Let's drink out of those sacred implements. Well, so they start doing that. And then God steps in the room because once you start defiling the things of God, he makes his presence known. And his hand came into the room and wrote on that wall. And they stood there shaken, disturbed by what took place. And again, go find me somebody to interpret what's happening here. Here comes Daniel. He steps in again. And this is what Daniel says to them. And he reads the inscriptions. This is written that was inscribed, many, many tekel parson. This is the interpretation of the message. Many means that God has numbered the days of your kingdom, Belshazzar. And what? And brought it to an end. You see, right then and there, Belshazzar was sentenced. His leadership, his kingdom was gone at that moment. Not only that, tekel means you have been weighed in the balance and found efficient. You have been judged, Belshazzar. You might have the title. You might have the position. But listen what? You're not the one running the show. It goes on. Perez means your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. He's been sentenced. He's been ex it was the execution of that. Let me tell you what. God is judge our judge, jury, and executioner right here. He came through and he saw it all through to the end. Can I tell you what? King Belshazzar was killed that night. That very night, and the kingdom was given to King Darius, or Darius, whichever you want to call him. Can I also tell you that those sacred implements, those gold and silver vessels that they drank their wine from and worshipped their pagan gods of gold and silver and wood, those are the same sacred elements that if you go to Ezra chapter 1, that King Cyrus, Cyrus sent back with the Jews to, to Jerusalem and said, go rebuild your temple. It might be in the captor's possessions right now, but it's going to return home in the end because God is in charge of this. So now let's look at one more story here. We go to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel has a dream about four beasts. 
Now, we know now that those four beasts represent the Babylonian Empire, the Medes and Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans. But we want to step into this story as we look at it. And Daniel's telling about his dream. And he says, I, Daniel, kept looking until thrones were set up. And the Ancient of Days, who? The Ancient of Days, God took his seat, his garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was flames of fire. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. A thousand thousands were attending him. Do you know how many a thousand thousands are? That's one million. He had, God had one million people just attending to his needs. But look at this. And 10,000 times 10,000 were standing before him. How many is that? 100 million. He had an audience of 100 million before him. And this is what happened. The court was seated and the books were opened. Look what happens here next. Then I, Daniel, kept looking because the sound of the great and boastful words which the horn was speaking. Oh, those, those beasts, they were making a lot of noise. They were bragging about themselves. They were talking about how wonderful they were and how much they had conquered and they had expanded their kingdom. But he says, I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed, given to be burned with fire. And for the rest of the beast, their power was taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for the length of their lives was fixed for a predetermined time. Here's what I say was being revealed to Daniel that day. This is what you and I need to understand. This is what the church needs to understand. This is what the United States needs to understand. This is what the world needs to understand. What this is saying is past, present, or future, God has always called the shots. He was never out of control when you thought you were abandoned, when you thought God had turned his back on you. He's saying, no, I am still here. This didn't happen without the God's mercy and him having a prolonged vision for what would happen. Give us one more there, Steve. I kept looking into the night vision, and behold, on the clouds of heaven, one like who? One like the Son of Man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And he who? The Messiah was given dominion, supreme authority, glory, and a kingdom that who all peoples, nations, and speakers of every lung should serve and worship him. Who? Not the Persians, not the Medes, the the Persians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Romans, but we will always worship Christ. And his, Christ's dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is the one which will not be destroyed. Here's what we need to understand today. We look at our country and we think we're lost We don't agree with the moralities of the world. We don't agree with the ethics going on. And we question everything that happens. And we wonder, God, how are you allowing our country to go this way? Let me tell you what was happening here in this story. It wasn't the sins of the world that took the Jews into captivity. It was the sins of the Jews. If you worry about who's sitting in, in, on, in the Supreme Court, if you worry about who's sitting in Congress, if you worry about who's sitting in the presidency or any position of authority, then what we need to do as a church is stop looking at the world and start looking inside in the mirror and saying, what sins have we come to accept? 
What have we done wrong? How do we get back into the will of God, into the direction that God wants us to do, and stop accepting and tolerating the things, and really bringing it into the house of God and saying, it's normal, it's acceptable, everybody's doing it. That's what's happening today. We need to wake up to that reality, or we could become, just like the Jews were, captives in Babylon, and wondering how did we get there, not really realizing that we were warned all along and we could have prevented that. Let's pray real quick tonight. Heavenly Father, oh ancient of days, we just come to you this evening and we understand now that as we review your message, we understand that God, when we were in captivity, you were still in control. You still were the one that was pulling the strings and putting into place, into power and position, those that you chose. And that, God, that what we need to do is to acknowledge our sins. We need to acknowledge what is the church allowing to come into the house. Why are we not sanctified? We are, why, are, why are we not allowing ourselves to be separated from the world and to set ourselves apart to be that holy palace that you desire? The, the, we just, God, you're just calling us back into your desire and into your will. Bring us back into the fold reunite the church bring it back to the standards of old and let us come back in alignment with your purpose and your will amen okay we're going to be reading chapter 9 of Daniel, and it's going to be in the ESV. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 23. If you guys would please stand for the reading of the word. Um, before I start, I just wanted to say that um, someone told me this, and I needed to say it. And prayer is not the preparation for battle. It is the battle. So here we start. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent of Medi, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of desolations of Jerusalem, namely seven years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted, acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land, to you, O oh Lord, belongs righteousness. But to us, open shame, as at this day to the men of Judea and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, and all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O oh Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by 
his servants and the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your laws and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what he has done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as at this day we have sinned and we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord. Make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sins and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord, my God, for the holy hill, my God, while I was speaking in prayer, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift light at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. You may be seated.
Okay, like Micah said, I don't have much time and I have a lot to deliver here, a lot to say, so I'm going to get right into it. Um, first off, isn't it incredible that in chapter 9, we see that Daniel's submitting this prayer and he's prepared this prayer in, in advance of the time of the prophecy to be fulfilled from Jeremiah. And he's going ahead and he's praying in, in advance, in a, like as you would say, a pre-prayer. And he gets the answer immediately from Gabriel. It says, as she read, as the Bible said, while, she was, while he was still speaking, the messenger Gabriel appeared with the word. Now, we take prayer for granted sometimes that we can't get a word or we can't get an answer quick. But the Bible says different in that situation. When you submit yourself to prayer, be expecting an answer. In chapter 10, as we jump into chapter 10, we see, we see Daniel is in a state of a heavy burden. And at this point in his life, he's somewhere around 85 years old. And according to Ezra chapter 1 and chapter 2, some of the Hebrews have been allowed to go back to Jerusalem. And he was seeing fit that I would stay here and, and serve, better, serve our people better here in Babylon. And so Daniel's at an older age, but... Carrying the weight of all these visions. If you read through Daniel, there's several things that Micah already mentioned. You see the significant visions and prophecies that have happened. They have happened not just accurately, but they have had happened to perfection. And there's some yet to be fulfilled. And I want to talk a little bit about that hope here in the next few minutes. But um, Daniel, in chapter 10, he's perplexed, he's beat down, he's, he's weighted by the heaviness of all this. And... Um, he goes into a time of fasting and prayer. I want to jump back to Daniel chapter 2 real quick. In Daniel chapter 2, and, and, and actually in 10 and 11 and 12 are some more visions and dreams, but I want to talk about the one in Daniel chapter 2, basically because it's, more, it's easier to talk about with the time I have. But in Daniel chapter 2, we see that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, at this time it, he is the king of the known world to men. And Babylon is a world empire. And at this time, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And in this dream, he sees an image. And the image is of four different um, materials. And, and, and without getting too much into the dream, he wants an interpretation of what this dream means. He wants to know what it is. And he calls upon all of his wise men and soothsayers and all his musicians, and no one could deliver and finally, Daniel is, is recommended. And Daniel, before he gives the word or the interpretation of the dream, he, he goes and he goes into prayer. He goes into intercession saying, I, I need to give this answer to this king. And as, as, as he does, he delivers. He says, give me time. And he comes 
before the king again. And not only is he supposed to give the interpretation, he's supposed to tell Nebuchadnezzar what dream he had so that Nebuchadnezzar could know it was authentic. And in the dream, he sees an image. And in the image, the head of the material, the material of the head is fine gold, which represents Babylon. And the second, the second part of the image of, of, the, of the, the, the figure of the man is the chest and the arms that, repre- that is silver that represents the Persia, Persian Empire. And then the third part of the image is the belly and the thighs that represent that are bronze that represent Greece or Alexander the Great and all his conquest. And then finally, the legs of iron, iron that represents crushing and, and breaking into pieces other kingdoms, is the, is the legs and the feet are iron that are mixed with clay. And he sees this and he interpret and he gives this dream to Nebuchadnezzar as he had seen it. And he goes on to tell him, but there's a fifth kingdom. Now I want you all to understand here, first off here, the message in this here is hope. We live in a time, and I'm going to tell you, if, if I've ever seen so many people that has lost their hope, that has lost their purpose. And Proverbs 13 and 12 says, if hope is deferred, it makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And, and we are living in a, such a crucial time, in such, such a time where it's around me all the time, we, everything we read and everything we hear, everything we see on TV and social media is negative and it is to steal and to rob us of our peace and of our hope. And then I get to go, get to looking in Daniel chapter 2 and all throughout the book of Daniel, if there's one thing that's in, that, that is throughout is that no matter how bad that the Israelites have messed up, no matter how bad their idolatry was and no matter how bad the consequences they're having to pay, there is still hope. And in this dream here, Daniel's allowed to, allowed to interpret it, and he gets to see some of that hope that's for, for the first time that's recorded. And, and so we mentioned the four kingdoms, but there is a fifth. Say there's a fifth. And as it goes on in, in Daniel chapter uh, 2, verse 35, and he, he says, verse 34, he says, You Nebuchadnezzar in your dream, you watched while a stone was cut out without hands. And it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Now we know the feet of iron and clay represents the Roman Empire. If you take this vision in chapter 2 and overlay it with the vision in chapter 7, which is representing the same empires just in greater detail, you can see who this beast or these iron legs are. And it says that... Um, the stone struck the image and broke it into pieces. Now, now in them times, when an empire would take over another empire, it would absorb its commodities. It would absorb its resources, its ports, its trade routes, anything that it could take. But what's interesting about the stone that strikes the image, we know the stone is the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and we know that this stone, as it says in um, verse 35, that it will not only break the image to pieces, but it will become like chaff from the summer threshing floor. And the wind will carry him away so that no trace was even found of them. So what I'm here to say is not only is there hope that Jesus' kingdom is going to reign 
supreme forever, that it is going to break these former empires into pieces. Not only is it not going to absorb them, but it's going to make something new for you and for me and for all of us and all of us before us. And as it goes on, uh, we go back to chapter 10. There's, I want to leave you with a few verses here. One verse in particular, actually one from chapter 10. And during chapter 10, there's, there's this incredible encounter with, with this being, and many believe it's Jesus, and I myself do believe there's some angelic beings involved in chapter 10, but I do believe he sees the most high as it's described. But all of a sudden, Daniel is broke down from the weight of this vision. And in chapter, in chapter 10, verse 19, Verse 19, and I want to leave you with this, this verse here, and this in another verse, but verse 19, he said, and he said, O man greatly beloved, O man greatly beloved, O woman greatly beloved, O child greatly beloved, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong, yes, be strong. Now, I, I, I believe that verse sticks out, when I read that, it stuck out to me that we are in a time. It's time to accept the peace to be with us. No matter what the situation looks like, I keep hearing about the banks control all the money in the world and the politicians are making secret deals in dark rooms and secret societies are calling the shots. But I want to tell you, if you read throughout all Daniel, the common theme is that the Lord is the giver and the taker of all power and he is in the ultimate control I've had people say to me before, well, what do you think about this conspiracy? Or what do you think about this society that's operating in darkness? And, by, and I say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter. And I think we as, as men and women and as Christians in the Western civilization have got too gripped on what men say and too gripped on what the media says. And we've bought into the fear and the lies of the enemy. And we need to remember that there's a stone coming. There's a stone coming that's going to strike. Going on to the last chapter in Daniel, and there's more visions and more prophecies. And, and when my mother told me that I had to give hope out of these certain chapters, I thought, man, I, how am I going to do that? And I said, how much time I had? And she kind of held up like this many fingers. So I thought, wow, okay. But she had already quoted it. And Daniel, as Micah had described, and, and they took a lot of the words out of my mouth, which was great, but Micah has described it, is how they came to be in Babylon and how they ended up there. It's, it's a sad story. Is, is, is if, if there's anyone that could be a victim, if there's anyone that could have a victim mentality, it's Daniel and his companions. They never had a chance to thrive where they were meant to thrive. They never had opportunity that the ones before them squandered away. They were carried off as young boys. They were made into eunuchs. They were made to do things that were unaccustomed and, and uncomfortable to them. And they lived in a hostile, land, uh, um, a hostile territory. And they had their names even took from them. Daniel was given the name Belteshazzar. He didn't even go by, he wasn't even pronounced Daniel by many. And so they were in this situation, and he lived his whole life in complete, complete discipline and service to God. 
He never wavered. They never wavered. They never faltered. I'm sure they had times of flesh. But as I see here in the very last scripture in Daniel chapter, in the very last scripture of the whole book, is my mother already quoted. He said, the angel says, but I will tell you, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong, I'm on the wrong. But you will go your way till the end, for you shall rest. He says, Daniel, you're going to go on and carrying on, but then you're going to die. You're going to go by the way of this earth, but you will arise to your inheritance at the end of days. You are going to come into your inheritance. But all this was not meaningless. All this had purpose. Your life had purpose. And even to the point of us 2,500, 2,400, however many years later, we are here reading his prayers that were recorded. The significance of his life and as his companions, the other ones that were there with him, has impacted us to this time. I want to leave you with the hope when we, when we get in a place where we're, we're weighted down by the ways of and the flesh of men and the ways of this world, that we would remember what the scriptures say and we would remember Daniel and his companions, what they had to endure and how they never gave up hope. I want to go into prayer here. Lord, thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace. <coughs> thank you, Lord, for, for all of the things that you, and, and all of the things you have blessed us here in this church and bless this nation with and for the liberty and, and, the, and the freedom we have to speak your name and to lift your name up. Lord, so there's, for there's so many on this earth that does not have that liberty and freedom, but yet, even though in their situation, they still have hope. I would pray that here in this place, here in this land we are given, that we would not squander the hope you had given us. We would not squander the opportunity you had given us to spread your kingdom. We would not be gripped by fear and shut down. We would not worry about the future, but we would know that you are in control and you are the giver and the taker of all power. And we are greatly loved by you. And, and even in spite of the sins of the Hebrews and, and, the, and, the, and um, the time of Jeremiah where he was warning them that you still gave them redemption, that you still provided a way of escape. And Lord, I pray that the people here, if there's anyone here that is weighted down by this world and weighted down by this, the trials of life, they would turn to your word and they would find you in your word and they would search for your heart through the written word of God. I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You're dismissed.